welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church Lagos. We hope this sermon answers the doubts or questions that you have about the Gospel, its relevance to your life, and the ever-evolving culture around us. Our vision is to see the City of Lagos and beyond renewed by the Gospel, and to make that happen, we need your support. You can do this by rating this podcast, following us, and giving through the Give tab on our website, citychurchlagos.com. Thank you for your generosity. We pray this sermon impacts you positively with the gospel. Good morning. Our Bible reading this morning will be taken from Mark chapter 2, from verse 1 to verse 12. At the end of the reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. Please respond with thanks be to God. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to be happy to be in the presence of God. All right. Yeah. God bless you. God bless you. Um, Let us pray together so we could just get right into it. Lord, we thank you for bringing us to church this morning. There are lots of reasons why we probably wouldn't have made it to church today, but you brought us here. We're not here because we are better than others. We're not here because we're more faithful. We're not here because we are more brave. We are here because you, Lord, moved us. Your word says it is you that works in us, put to will and to do of your good pleasure. Whatever we do, you alone should, you alone can take credit so lord jesus as we have come oh god your word says to you shall the gathering of the people or your of your people be people have not gathered to hear me people have not gathered to hear the singers they have gathered to hear you what happens when your word goes forth let it happen in our midst today in the name of jesus we ask as your word goes forth your spirit will move with it to empower to impress upon our hearts that we would not be hearers alone but doers of the word in the name of jesus in jesus mighty name we are prayed amen amen all right um first once again happy mother's day to mothers in the house right I, I wanted to say that myself, not just from, from City Church. God bless you for all that you are doing. God bless you for um, your role in the church, your role in society at large. Um, the title of my sermon is Introducing Us. Introducing Us. So it's kind of a continuation of what we are doing last week. Last week we titled the sermon Introducing You. So this week we are doing Introducing Introducing us, and I was talking about how some of the things that we're expecting God to do in this series is that God should cause that our worship will become more pure as we Jesus, as we see Jesus more clearly. Amen. But one of the things that I was then trusting the Lord to do for us last week was that as we see Jesus more clearly, we will see ourselves more clearly. That as we see Jesus as the Son of God, we see ourselves as the ones that 
need the Son of God because we had we then talked about this idea that if you want to understand the creation, what do you need to do? You need to consult the creator. You need to consult the nature of the creator. You need to consult the intent of the creator. Then we use this analogy, right? We talked about images and objects. Do you remember? We talked about how images are in two-dimensional realm and two-dimensional realms, and objects are what in three-dimensional realms. And there's something that is lacking in the image that can only be supplied by the object, right? So what we are going to do today is just like a we're going to extend the analogy a little bit. Try and use it to talk about this idea of introducing us, introducing us. Um, it goes without saying that when God reveals something that is lacking in our realm, it is not simply for our information. For example, when we're talking last week, I was saying, oh, we lack depth. We lack depth. There is something wrong with us. There is something wrong with us. The idea is not for you to listen and be like, ah, oh, yeah, man. Sucks to be me. I mean... No, the idea is not for your information. The idea is for your transformation. Because the idea is this, that there is the object that actually stands before the mirror and your life is not depicting and reflecting the object very well. So what we're expecting to do is that the information is supposed to cause you to begin to seek out ways to conform to the object that actually stands before you. Are we together? The great question then becomes, what is the nature of the object that is standing before us? Because if we are going to be good images to reflect the object, we need to know what the object is. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 talks about this. It says, God says, let us, right, make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over the livestock, over the wild animals, over sea creatures. Let's just jump to the last part. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female created them. This is what's happening here, that God standing before the object says, let us. So the idea of us means that it's not one. It's plural. It's a community. So what is actually standing before the mirror is not one person. And therefore, one image cannot reflect the, one, the object that is actually plural. Are you with me? Jesus, on the other hand, then comes. Again, we are saying we're introducing the Son of God. So let's even say it's just Jesus that is standing before you. Constantly, when Jesus was ministering on the earth, he will constantly say, I am not doing this alone. In fact, they point, they say, show us the Father. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Paul takes this a step further in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. He says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. This means when Jesus actually stands, it is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that is standing before the mirror. Are we together? It means that the activity of one is actually the activity of all. You find that in creation. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord was moving over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. You find God the Father walking when the word is going forth and the spirit goes to effect what has been said. You find it also in salvation. The Bible says that God sent Jesus to die. So Jesus came to die, but he was sent by the Father and he was empowered by the spirit. The activity of one is the activity of all. So when Jesus is standing before the mirror, he is standing as a community. It then becomes impossible that when we look at the image, only one person is going to reflect it. When it comes to reflecting God, when it comes to reflecting the divine, it, community becomes a necessity. If the goal of creation, if the goal of God making those that are going to be in his image is for us to reflect him, it is impossible for us to reflect him alone. We can only reflect him in community. Community, like I said, becomes a necessity. But again, following the analogy, what we tend to lose is we lose the full breadth of who we really are. So let us consult the three-dimensional realm of the Son of God and let us see how he thinks about community. Jesus in John chapter 17, verse 20 to 21 says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Pause. Just by the community of believers dwelling together, 
Jesus is saying that this is going to put an exclamation mark on the incarnation. Do you see that? Not because we are holy, not the holiness of anything. Just by reason of the fact that we exist, we are a proof of the works of Jesus. This is how Jesus sees community. This is what Jesus is expecting to happen when we dwell together. It means that if Jesus was put on trial and they say, what is the proof of the things that you have done? It will point to the church. Not just to the holiness of the church, but to the unity of the church. You read again, John chapter 17. It says that they may be one. Jesus valued community. Jesus had expectations for community. In fact, the way you know somebody values something is the kind of, it's kind of thing they're expecting from me. Are we together? Jesus expected that if the world is going to recognize him, if the world is going to glorify him, what they need to look at is not you as an individual, but you as a community. But Jesus didn't just value community. Didn't, Jesus, Jesus didn't just talk about community. Jesus lived in community. In Matthew chapter 26, from verse 36 to 40, this is what's happening at the Garden of Gethsemane, all right? Um, um, Jesus is few hours from, the, from his trial, few hours from his death. And so this is what's happening in the Garden of Gethsemane. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And this immediately becomes consistent with the kind of person Jesus is. Because if you've been reading Mark chapter 1, you find out that Jesus normally will isolate himself to go and pray at some point. So this kind of fits well with Jesus that is the Son of God, Jesus that is powerful, or we fit well with the way we like to think about ourselves. We just want to be on our own. We just want to do things on our own. But Jesus doesn't end there. And the Bible says, he took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. This is the son of God, guys. This is Jesus who is our example. This is Jesus who we're actually called to reflect. The Bible says, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus didn't just talk about community. He needed community. I say that with caution because Jesus is God. Jesus, at this point, he didn't just say, oh no, I'm going to do this on my own. No, 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 no. He needed community. In fact, when the story continues, he said, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returns to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for an hour? This isn't just a rebuke. This is, I needed you, and you didn't show up. This is the Son of God. If Jesus needed community, who are you not to need community? If Jesus needed people to be around him, who are you and I? That we then choose to stay away from community. See, there are certain points, and I want, I want to show something here. There are certain points in the ministry of Jesus that Jesus didn't need anybody. Are we together? Jesus sometimes, when he wants to heal somebody, he's not going to be like, Peter, I need assistance. No. He's just going to heal. There were certain things he was doing. He didn't need anybody for it. In fact, when he was about to feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fishes, he told Philip, he said, Philip, feed them. Philip said, ah, I can't. And then Jesus had um, what I would call, all right, I, I will do it myself moment. You know what I mean? Like, don't worry, I'll just, I'll just do it myself. And just carry the bread and just... Pfft. He didn't need anybody. So Jesus had been operating in certain um, conditions where he could handle the situations by himself. He was teaching. He didn't need anybody. But there was a time when it came for him to fulfill ultimate purpose. He needed community. When it came to the cross, when it came to something that was truly big, he latched on to community. Somebody said, say most Christians never have the luxury of hearing God say, fear not, because they, never merit any, because they never do anything great enough to merit the command. In the very same way, most Christians never see the need to be a part of the community because they never attempt anything great enough to need it. I am doing fine on my own. I am doing fine on my own. I don't need anybody. Your dreams are not big enough. That's why. I am doing fine on my own. I am doing fine on my own. You do not understand the expectations that God has for your life. 
Because if you do, you will understand that you're not doing fine on your own. I am doing fine on my own. Tommy, I don't need anybody. I do not need the community. It is because you don't understand the depth of sin and the kind of danger you are in when you are isolated. Because if you really understood what we discussed last week and you understood the implications for your life, for your family, for your children, the greatest news you can hear is that you've not been called to do this on your own. If you understood the depth of sin, what you will want to hear is, I need people around me. I need people around me. If you understood the weight of the task, that what you have been called to do is to reflect a triune God to the people of the world such that they will give glory to God, we will rejoice when the Bible says that you are supposed to dwell in community. It's because we have lost depth. We lack full perspective of what God expects from community, what God expects for community. You see, what we usually do is redefine our expectations. We redefine the ideal to conform to our reality. We will cut down the expectations of God, cut down the ideal to a size that we can carry on our own and we'll convince ourselves that we are fine. But you are not. You are not. Or maybe your own excuses told me, I am really, really messed up. I don't want anybody to get so close to me so they can see how messed up I am, so they can see that I'm not all that. Guess what? Newsflash. We're not shocked that you are messed up. If I know what will shock us, that you are good. That's what will actually shock us. Almost every time when somebody comes to me, it's like, man, I can't, I can't, I mean, I don't know how I'm going to say this. I said, just say it. You can't shock me. Oh, I am messed up. I am messed up. Think about it. Among us here, there are people that have outseen you 10 times over. Do you know how? For example, I have seen more than a three-year-old. The older I get, the more sin I commit. I'm not saying more than that <laughs> about the elderly people. I'm just saying that we, that you see, no matter how messed up you are, there are people that have outseen you, what would actually shock us is your holiness. If you were genuinely holy and good, that would be a shock. Of course, we know you're lying, so just, just, just putting that out there. Or maybe for you, your excuse is, people are annoying. They just tend to bring out the worst in who? In me. Listen to what you've said. They bring out the worst in who? In you. They didn't put it there. It was there all along. Hmm. Oh, they're just annoying people. I cannot tolerate nonsense. It just, it just, it just, it just comes out. It just, I'm not like that, though. I'm not usually like that. It just comes out when I'm with people. Do you remember David? David doesn't go about raping people, though. Sure you understand? Did you, did you remember that? David doesn't go about killing other people's husbands. When the condition was right, the thing came out. Community. It creates the atmosphere to bring out the worst things that are actually in you. And again, if you understood what we discussed last week, this becomes good news for you. That God is bringing out the worst in you. See, one of the things that leprosy does, just looking, following the analogy of last week, is that leprosy can lie dormant in your life for 20 years and you won't know. That's the way sin is. How many of you have got you to point your life that you did something like me? Like, I can't believe I did it. It wasn't a mistake. It was there all along. It just needed the right atmosphere to bring it out. But community is God's means to bring out the worst in you for your own sanctification. For your own holiness. You see, one of the ways that the Bible shows how community works is in the text that is before us in Mark chapter 2. From verse 1 to 12. And the Bible then shows in verse 12 the goal of community, which is similar to what we have read in John chapter 17. And in Mark chapter 2, verse 12, it says, He got up, took his mat, walked out in view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. The goal of community is for non Christians to look at what God is doing in our lives and give glory to Him. Have you ever asked yourself why the psalmist actually said, how good is it when brothers dwell in unity? It is like what? They are not the oil. 
that flows from Aaron's head onto his beard. What has unity got to do with anointing? Think about it. When we dwell together, the anointing of God is present to break the yoke, to deliver, to heal, to convert in such a way that when people look at us, they will give glory to God. That's what is happening in Mark chapter 2. So this, just to recap the story a little bit, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus started his ministry. Things are going on fine. Right out of the gate, the ministry exploded. You know what I mean? And it was in an age where there was no social media. So you understand that if he exploded, he really exploded, not the one that we're all doing here. You understand? So things were going on fine. They, that is no job at any church. That is no job at any church. <laughs> all right? So things exploded. Things were going on fine. And um, the ministry continued. The ministry was moving to the permanent site. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus was proclaiming the gospel. He was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He wasn't just proclaiming. He was demonstrating the powers of the kingdom. Healing the sick. Raising the dead. It got to a point. People were looking for him. Jesus was like, man, we need to go somewhere else. You know, when you know that you are a bitch and you are blown, is that people don't just have access to you anyhow. You understand? So Jesus was at that point. They didn't just have access to him anyhow. So the ministry was moving. Then we get to Mark chapter 2. Jesus comes back to Capernaum and he's in his hometown. That's his hometown. That's where he stays. That was like his headquarters. So he was holding a conference. Let's assume, right? But the conference was in a house. Don't laugh. It's just, it's just in a house. All right. So he was holding a conference, right? And then many people were coming. Many people came. The Bible says there was no room in the house. There was no room at the door. Meaning what? There was an overflow. Again, the way you know that your ministry has blown is when there's an overflow. Imagine if this place is full and then all the other places are full too. Jesus had... Thank you, Jerusalem Days. Whoever caught that for, on behalf of City Church. <laughs> All right. So things were going on fine, but, they, but there were these friends who needed to bring their one friend who was paralyzed to Jesus. But there were so many people around, so they couldn't bring the friend to Jesus. And then they have a brilliant idea. Very brilliant idea. Why don't you remove the roof? Again, I don't know about you. I work with the operations team in City Church, yeah? If my mic is not working, it's a problem. Imagine if they remove the <laughs> service done, <laughs> right? Service is over for that day. So they decided to do this, and then they, they, they let down the guy to the feet of Jesus. Now, many of us will look at that, and all we see is audacity. You get what I mean? All you see is probably disrespect. I, I don't even have, like, what were you even thinking? But I can tell you what Jesus saw. Jesus saw the faith of the friends when they were bringing him down. Jesus saw the activities of community. Are we together? So, so, so what, what is actually, <clears throat> what actually happening is that everything, therefore, that happened to this paralyzed man, after that incident was because of the faith of his friends. Let's go back to the analogy of the leper. There's the leper that we, I mean, the leper that we talked about last week, right? The solution to his problem was that he was supposed to get to Jesus, right? The solution to the problem of the paralyzed person was that he was supposed to get to Jesus. One person came to Jesus on his own. One person came to Jesus in community. Both of them needed Jesus. The method by which they were going to get to Jesus had to be different. One person came by his own faith. The other person came by the faith of other people. One person came by his own strength. The other person came by the strength of other people. There are certain issues you will have. There are certain binds in sin that you have that you can come to God on your own. There's no other. But there are other ones that life will throw at you. That there is no way you can come to Jesus on your own. You need the faith of the community. It's just the way life works. It's not because you are bad. It's not because, it's not because you are weak. It's not because you don't know what you are doing. It's not because you've not tried all you want to try for your marriage to work. It's not because you've not tried all you need to try for your career to actually pick up. It's not because you've not done all the things you need to do. It's just that there are certain situations that will come in your life that can render you paralyzed. And at that point, you need the faith of the community. You need the strength of the community. You see, this message that I'm preaching today is not just for those that run from community. It's for those that desire to be community. You see, as I studied, I discovered something. That this story is not a story about four friends and a paralyzed person. It's a story of five friends. It's a story of five friends. Because this story is not just a story about four friends who are willing to carry the one. It's about the one who is willing to be carried by the other four. 
Can I say that again? It's the story of five friends. The four that is willing to carry the one and the one that is willing to let himself be carried by the other four. Are you the kind of a person that allows other people to carry you? Or are you running away from community? Let us get practical a little bit, all right? Let's just let's get a little bit practical with this. In life, even just generally when we are dealing with life, you need community. In fact, community sometimes becomes a proof that you are fine, that you are safe. You know how I know? Nowadays, when people come to meet me and they say, oh man, I have this guy that I really, really like. I say, who has he permitted to speak into his life? I want to know the person that is above him. Because here's the thing. We are not always going to be seen. Are we together? Am I preaching to you guys? We are not always going to be seen. The same, everybody is seen when we are dating. You understand? It's when you marry. It brings out the worst in who? It brings out the worst in you. <laughs> I remember one particular time. I'm a great guy, all right? I'm actually really, really great. I, I promise you. I am really, really great, all right? And, but there were some things I... <laughs> I did something so stupid one day. I didn't know it was very stupid. My wife didn't, didn't go like, told me what she did was, no, she called Kweluma and told me, go and talk to that boy. That's it. <laughs> My wife asked me when we were about to get married. She said, she had this thing. Babe, I'm sorry, I'm just saying this. <laughs> she had this thing about Yoruba guys. She feels as if Yoruba guys are, well, demons, as they say, they're heartbreakers. And then she was asking that, so what's the... Assurance that you will not break my heart. I said, nothing. If I'll break it, I'll break it. <laughs> that's what I said. That's, that's not what I said. That's what I said. That's not what I said. That's not what I said. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> that's not what I said. Here's what I said. I said, I know my head will not always be correct. All right? But if Tomiwa, Olaiton, Ben, Yinka, Elijah, if all these people don't speak to my head, and my head is still not correct, I have Emmanuel and Temida and Kwelumi. If my head is still not correct, I have Pastor Femi. If my head is still not correct, just leave me. There's no point again. <laughs> what was I saying? That you are safe with me. Why? Because I have a community. If we do not have community, we're a danger to other people that are around us. So you need community. But like I said, let us get a little bit practical here. And I'm going to, again, what I'm about to say. It's not an instruction, it's just a guide. Are we together? Not an instruction, just a guide. I am actually proposing that for us to function, as, function well as the church, we need four different levels of community. We need four different levels of community just as the guy needed four friends. Are we together? And these, these four levels of community actually go work in order of hierarchy. One, you need friends that are your age mates. Two, you need people that are slightly older than you. Three, you need mentors. And four, you need church leaders. Should I say that again? One, you need friends that are your age mates. Two, you need people that are slightly older than you. Three, you need mentors. And four, you need church leaders. I'm not going to talk about them a little bit. You see, <clears throat> friends. Friends are people like your age mate, people that you have decided to surrender your life to in such a way that they can speak into your life at any point in time. You don't necessarily have to agree with them. In fact, you can push back when they talk to you. But they have been granted permission to rebuke you. They have been granted permission to be able to rebuke you and be sure that the relationship is still intact and nothing is going to happen even if they speak against you. Those are the kind of people that we need. They are the ones that you do day to day with. That the ones that you can call at any time, like 11 p.m., Ben, I need you, and you show up at your door. That actually happened. <laughs> we need those kinds of people. So I'm going to give an example of how this works out for me. And basically, what I'm going to be doing, what I'm laying out here, is really the way God has actually, things that God has provided for me. And it's working. It is working. There are certain times, like I said before, there are certain issues you will have that will hinder you from coming to God on your own. You need the faith of the community. About three years ago, I did something really, really stupid. You know what I described? Right? Like when you do something, you're like, ah, me? I had one of those. It was terrible. I could 
couldn't pray. I couldn't talk to God. I, I didn't want to be around anybody. Well, here's what my friends did. Every morning, Tomah would come into my room. Every single morning. We enter, sit down my bed. He say, what's up? You know, there's nothing up. I'm just bad. He say, what's up? So, he would grab my hands. And he would just pray. And when he's done, he will leave. Like clockwork, by 6 p.m., all light on, we enter the room. Now, if you know light on, you know it's a big teddy bear. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? You know it's a big teddy bear. The first thing light on does, and all of, almost of you can testify to this, we just come to the bed, just hug me tight. And we start making dry jokes just to make me happy. <laughs> and when he sees that the dry jokes are not working, he grabs my hands, prays, and then he leaves. Here is what was happening. I was paralyzed by my sin. I was paralyzed by my life situations. But these friends came and they carried the mat every morning, every evening, and brought me to the feet of Jesus. You need those people. You need those kinds of people. But again, you also need senior brothers and sisters in the faith. You see, these ones, it's, we don't really rate them so much. You understand? We don't know the difference between your friends and those that are, old, that are your senior brothers and sisters in the faith. Um, these kinds of people, again, according to my own estimation, all right, like I said, just a guide. It's not an instruction. They're generally about five, four to five, or four to eight years older than you. But you need them in your life. Because here's the reason why you need them. They are not too far from your situation that you are going through, so they understand. But then they are already closer to another level of wisdom, so they can take it and give it to you. You need those kinds of people. These kinds of people, they are not the ones that will advise you and you'll be arguing back home. No, 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 for real. They're not the ones that you they will advise and you'll be arguing back. One of my friends, he did something really, really silly. Oh, I thought it was silly because we kept on arguing about it. We're going back and forth. We had exchange words, exchange words. And then he went to meet this senior brother of ours in the faith. And the person was on my side. Of course he was because I'm always correct, all right? So he was, so was on my side. And the person rebuked him. And he came back and he was like, he, was like, he agreed with you. I disagreed with him. I just told him. I said, you're making a silly mistake. You don't have a right to disagree. You have a right to take what he has said and go and consider. You don't tell him you disagree. You just consider it. If you want to do whatever you use in your heart, go ahead. But that is the respect we ought to give to people like this. Why? Because their words are weightier. The authority they have over your life, they are weightier. There are people that are here. They are not my mates. I can call them by name. But there are respect I have for them. Here's what I mean by their words are weighty. There was one particular point in my life. I, I mean, as a, as a normal Nigerian boy, I, I got into police problem, all right? So <laughs> it wasn't my fault. And everybody said it. Everybody said this. It wasn't my fault. But I was scared. I, I really was scared that maybe police were going to come and carry me. Like, I was panicking. And all my Jews, my guys are like, not indeed. I mean, I hear we did not. All my friends were saying that. All them are like, I mean, see all I thought with. But like, not in, not in. I was still panicking, though. No? I beg. These words couldn't attend to the situation that I actually was in at the time. I needed senior brothers and sisters. You know who came? Bolima came that came. And they were like, ah, I will say it in English. Why are you acting like somebody that doesn't have a community around him? He said, nothing will happen to you. Don't worry. The panic, the fear. They, their words are weightier. The authority they have over your life is weightier. It is stronger. Accord them that respect. Don't just be disagreeing. Take it. Go and consider. But we also need mentors. You see, I understand that... Um, Mentors in the church, we have abused it. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm going to own up to that. We have mentors that have abused those that are under them. Some people, you lose your thinking faculty once you just have a mentor. Just keep on taking everything they said. And, and I understand that we've abused those kinds of a thing. But the abuse of a substance doesn't invalidate its usefulness. If you are in pain, you will not say because somebody has abused tramadol, I will not use it. That's the kind of pain you have, eh? You say, bring it to me, bring it. We need mentors. 
Here's what is unique about mentors. When mentors advise you, it carries the weight of an instruction. Think about what I said. I'm not saying it is an instruction. I'm not saying they have to always instruct you. But when mentors advise you, it carries the weight of an instruction. Think about Jethro and Moses. Jethro was not Moses' spiritual father. You understand what I'm saying? He wasn't a spiritual leader. Just think, so what was happening at the time was the children of Israel were in the wilderness. And then um, Moses would sit down from morning to night and be judging cases. Silly, I know. But he didn't know at the time. Jethro came and said, if you continue this way, you will just die. Now, he didn't say, oh, go and do this as an instruction. It was an advice. Moses didn't argue, just want to do it. Why? It was an advice, but it carried the weight of an instruction. Find mentors. See, what you are doing with mentoring is this. That there are certain issues that are going to prop up in your life that are higher than you. You've never handled that kind of issue before. So what you are doing with the mentor is you are borrowing a wisdom that is actually higher than situation and you are applying it to that situation. That is called wisdom even for you. You might not be wise in that you don't know how to handle it, but you know somebody that can. You are borrowing their faith. You are borrowing their strength to solve the issue that you have. I actually believe mentors are supposed to be way older than you. Because wisdom comes with age. And I need to say this to some of my friends that are in my age group. Age is not just a number. Ask the pedophile in prison. It's not a number. No, it's not. There are certain wisdom you will not have unless you grow. They come with age. When you are choosing a mentor, don't choose your mate. This used to happen in university a lot. He's my mentor. He's in 100 level. You, I mean, he's in 200, you're in 100 level. I'm like, what are you doing? What does he know? When you have, you know what's funny? Is that sometimes the mentor has never even dated anybody before. You're in a relationship and you're bringing your problem to him. How? Like, how is he supposed to solve your matter? Um, if you did that in university, the blood of Jesus covers all what you've done. <laughs> we need mentors because wisdom comes with age. When I was around 19, I got into an argument with my dad. Not fight argument, but it's just, we're, just, we're just arguing about an idea. We're exchanging words, not bad words, just talking, going back and forth, going back and forth. And Now, disclaimer, I was young and stupid, all right? So what I'm about to say, don't be like, is that the way you talk to your dad? Mm-mm. All right? And so I looked, at, I looked at my dad and I, we're arguing about a fact. It was, fact, like, it was true. This is fact. And he kept on arguing. I was like, ah. Again, I was young and stupid. <laughs> I'm going to say that now. And I said, Daddy, the things I knew when I was 12 or 15, you still don't know now. Listen, 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 listen. I was, yeah, that's why I said like three times. Calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down. His eyes went red. <laughs> listen, listen. In fact, I believe the only reason why I was safe when an hotel room was at one corner, so he couldn't jump over to the other side. But that wasn't all I said. I said, listen, I said, I said, well, daddy, in 50 years to come, I will never be as wise as you are. Here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. I knew a lot of facts. I knew a lot of things. I knew the information. I knew it was right. But how to apply is a different conversation. That belongs to somebody that is older. Some of you need to go back home and apologize to your parents. I will still apologize to my dad, don't worry. You <laughs> apologize to your parents. Because you have confused knowledge and wisdom. They might not know as much as you do, but they are wiser. Because wisdom comes when you have tested what you actually know over time and it has worked. You've not tested anything. It's just information. Concepts. Last one equals cinco It means it's all concepts. <laughs> and there is nothing to it because you've not proved it. Wisdom is the difference between Saul who has gone to war and David that is attempting to carry armor that has never worn before. That's the difference. I can't use this. You can't even use the knowledge you have except you are wise. 
This is what mentors bring you. When they are older, there's a wisdom that they have that you are able to tap into. There's a strength. There's a faith that they've received that you're able to take and apply to the situation that you find yourself in. You need mentors. But you also need spiritual leaders. You see, the words of spiritual leaders carry weight. If you don't, like, just, if you don't even understand what it means for a spiritual leader to be a spiritual leader, check James chapter 5. There are certain issues you will have. James says, call the, it's not normal, everybody can hear the sick, you understand? Everybody can pray and talk something will happen. Say no. There are certain sickness you have that is tied to a sin. Say, call the elders. Let them pray for you. There are certain sins, I'm saying this, there are certain binds you will find yourself in that the words of your friends cannot deliver you. The words of your senior brothers and sisters in the faith cannot deliver you. It is the words of your spiritual leader. See, when I told you about that issue I had earlier where, where I did something that was really, really stupid, really, really simple. Now, while all my friends were trying to get me to Jesus, get me to Jesus, constantly trying to get me to Jesus, the guilt didn't go away. It never left just was there. Pastor Femi called me one day. He said, let's take a walk. I will never forget what he said. He said, told me, the grace, that time I just started preaching, <laughs> said, the grace that you are going to one day preach about is what I am declaring to you now. You are forgiven. There was weight to it. It was different from when my friend said it to me. Whew. You need them in your life. Oh, but tell me, I don't have any of these ones. Pray for them. Pray about it. Pray that the Lord will give you a friend. When I was in 100 level, I was back from my whole university. I didn't have any friend. I really didn't. I... So I would walk around every night. Okay, not every night. Just somebody night when I'm free. And I would see... Lots of guys with their girlfriends. And I'm like, ah, ah, God. My prayer was not that God give me a friend. It was, give me a girlfriend. I, I, I am lovable too now. You understand? I prayed that prayer for almost a year. After that one year, God sent Tommy to me. <laughs> that was intentional. <laughs> however, however, what was happening was this. Tommy, I love you. All right. What was happening was this. God knew what I needed even when my words were wrong. That is the way a father oppressed. You know the way your child is. Your child is saying, ga, ga, ga. You know what it is. It's not ga. It's breast milk. It's not ga. It wants to use the toilet. You know. Ask the Lord to send you a friend. Pray about it. Spot one person here and walk up to them and say, I want to be your friend. There are certain friends that I have that it is like, it's like, it was spontaneous. Just situations that we became really, really good friends. The other friends that came and they're like, let's be friends. Uh, sure, why not? Walk up to elder brothers and sisters. Some of them, they're, they're not your mates. You understand? Walk up to them and say, don't tell them, I need to be my sweet brother. I need to be my friend. <laughs> I'm sure they are willing to give of what they have to you. There are women and men of God here that are way older than you. Walk up to them and say, can you please, I want to submit my relationship to you. I want to submit my life to you. Walk up to them and do that. It's not spontaneous. I don't like things that are not spontaneous. The spontaneous you are doing, how is it working for you? No, Honestly. Honestly, walk on it. Ask. Spot them. They are all around. We are not big. We are not 5,000 yet. They are around. Walk up to them. Don't kill them with text messages though. I'm just saying. <laughs> so they will not text me. I'm like, Tommy, see what you've done. Lastly, It's one thing for us to allow people to carry us. 
but are we the kinds of people that are willing to carry others? You see, um, our gifts of the Spirit are one, is one of the ways that we can carry the church and bring them to Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, the Bible says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 shows the purposes of the gifts that God has given unto you. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 24 to 25 shows the goal. I'm going to read it here. It says, But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God. What does this remind you of? What Jesus was saying was supposed to happen in community in John 17. What is happening in community in Mark chapter 2? Do you see? When we use our gifts for the common good, what is going to happen is that people are going to look at that scenario of us manifesting our gifts, manifesting our time, manifesting our energy. They will look at all of those and they will give glory to God. The charge to you this morning is this. Use your gifts for the church. Do not drop the mat. There are certain needs that the church has and it will render us paralyzed. We need you. We need your gifts. We need your time. We need your energy. We need your experience. Do not drop the mat. Join a gospel community. If you don't know what that is, it's our weekly meetings. Now we are doing affinity groups. Join one. Give of what you have. Your experience might just be what somebody else needs to be able to overcome the problem they are going through. Your experience of how God gave you victory in your marriage at one point might be what the younger couple needs to say, if God did it for them, he can do it for me. Your experience of how God granted you victory over your addictions might be what somebody else in the church needs to attack the weak with new thirst for sanctification. We need you. I believe God has sent me today to ask if you'll be one of those people that will not drop the mat. One of those people that we see other people and be like, I'm going to give up my time. I don't have money. Give your time. I don't have money. Give your energy. I don't have any gift that is really, really big like that. My gift is administration. You understand? So there's really... Nothing happening. Give it first. And see what the Lord will do with it. Again, the question is, are we going to be those kinds of friends? Those kinds of resilient friends? Those kind of friends that no matter what happens, even when they are pushing us away, we will keep on banging their door. Just so they open up to us and say we can give of what we have. Why? Because Jesus has paid the price for that community. Jesus lost community upon the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that you can have community. When I was, I'm going to, I'm going to end with this story. Um, my dad works in Abuja and he comes home every two weeks. He did that, he has been doing that since I was seven. Anytime he's coming, he will buy me a shirt. Or a trouser. Really, really expensive. However, I was 12. I was 13. So, what I wanted to wear was uh, I'm a keep keep. You know, my, remember my keep keep? <laughs> I lost the old generation. Just. <laughs> or your money grows like grass. Do you remember? <laughs> it was okay, okay, all right, all right. Pastor Femi and every other person that was lost. <laughs> every other old person that's supposed to be mentors. I'm a keep keep. <laughs> I'm a keep keep was one kind of shirt at the time. It was, I don't, I don't get the appeal now, but it was really appealing then. And then we'll, ha we'll have all these colored jeans. Blue, red, green, yellow. I wanted those. They were really cheaper than what my dad was getting me though. I, I shouldn't have used that my keep keep here. Eh? <laughs> I 
I wanted all stars. All stars I tell was 1,500. I won't forget. Because I really wanted it. So what I used to do was this. I won't wear the clothes he has bought. I will wear an older one that is almost... It's paid, you know. I will wear it. And then I will step out. Like that. We need to pray for... We need to just thank the Lord for our fathers and our mothers. Like the way they did this slaughterhouse. <laughs> what was paining my dad was this. That I was going to step out and everybody's going to be asking, show Niba Banlin, don't you have fathers at home? Here's what they're saying. Don't you have a community that will check you before you step out? Because I didn't know the value and the price that was paid for the shirt that you bought for me. It was getting rotten in my wardrobe and people were doubting the community that I have. Here's what's happening. Every time you step out and you step out on your own and you're just messing life up. You know the question that people are asking? Where is your community? Where is your God? We will not be like those in the name of Jesus. We will be those who will commit to what God has committed to. We will be those who will commit to the picture that when people see the image that we are actually reflecting, they will say, I want to meet the object that stands before the mirror. May God help us in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you found this sermon helpful, we hope you join us in the mission of renewing Lagos with the gospel by sharing it, rating this podcast and following us. These actions help us reach more people with the gospel. You can also connect with us on various social media platforms via the handle at City Church Lagos. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.